Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Buddy C, welcome Kate E and Marla H and Kirsty S and Tori. Keep forgetting Tori. W. W. 37th chapter. Any comments on this before we read? It's got some good stuff in it, as they all do. A lot about just getting out of the way and letting things happen, really. It's all about just stopping our self-effort, like a lot of this is. You want to read for us, Kate? I do. All right. Okay, 37th chapter, first translation. Tao abides in non-action, yet nothing is left undone. If kings and lords observed this, the 10,000 things would develop naturally. If they still desired to act, they would return to the simplicity of formless substance. Without form, there is no desire. Without desire, there is tranquility. And in this way, all things would be at peace. Second translation, the Tao never does anything, yet through it all things are done. If powerful men and women could venture themselves in it, the whole world would be transformed by itself in its natural rhythms. People would be content with their simple everyday lives in harmony and free of desire. When there is no desire, all things are at peace. Third translation, the highest good is not to seek to do good, but to allow yourself to become it. The ordinary person seeks to do good things and finds that they cannot do them continually. The master does not force virtue on others, thus she is able to accomplish her task. The ordinary person who uses force will find that they accomplish nothing. The kind person acts from the heart and accomplishes a multitude of things. The righteous person acts out of pity, yet leaves many things undone. The moral person will act out of duty, and when no one will respond, will roll up his sleeves and use force. When the Tao is forgotten, there is righteousness. When righteousness is forgotten, there is morality. When morality is forgotten, there is the law. The law is the husk of faith, and trust is the beginning of chaos. Our basic understandings are not from the Tao because they come from the depths of our misunderstanding. The master abides in the fruit and not in the husk. She dwells in the Tao and not with the things that hide it. This is how she increases in wisdom. The final translation. Tao never does anything, but nothing is left undone. If our leaders could get in touch with Tao, the world would take care of itself. Even if they wanted to impose their own ideas, they'd be drawn back to Tao's nameless simplicity. When our lives are that simple, we want for nothing. We can relax, and the world becomes a better place. Edgar has some comments this morning, huh, Marla? We can't understand them, though. (laughs) 
Who who has something on this? This is full, full, full. Anything jump out at you? How about the idea that the Tao abides in non-action, but nothing is left undone? Never does anything, yet through it, all things are done. And I think the better application for us in that idea is the highest good is not to seek to do good, but to allow yourself to become it. But there has to be some work involved in that. (laughs) (laughs) But that just can't be, can it, Marla? It It can't be that easy, right? It can't be that easy. There's got to be some work involved. There's got to be something that we do. I think you're confusing. This, this, is, this is how I approached it. I, I think you're confusing work with work. Well, doing the next right thing. There's some, it, there's action is implied in that. Doing the next right thing. Being, how do you just be it? You just, is the Tao saying, just be it, be the right thing. Do the next natural thing, which is different from force and push and making it happen. It's, it, it quite honestly is, is more difficult to do that than it is for me, it is. It's more difficult to do that than to just do my own thing or to, to do the selfish thing instead of the selfless thing. It is because we have so much uh, stuff in the way that we've learned from birth <laughs> almost. Yes. And so we confuse when we see something that says, the Tao never does anything, yet through it, all things are done. We're thinking, well, this doesn't work. That doesn't, you know, that, that can't be, you know, I've got to get out. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to, you know, we've got all this self-effort that we think about when it really is about learning to be the observer in our life, not the doer. I've seen a taste of that, um, and it's really amazing when you can see it. Um, And and I've learned that if if I focus on my part, then the rest of it just seems to happen in life. And, And my part would be to submit my moment that I'm in. And say, if we're living, I'd always look at and use that kind of a lens when anything that I'm looking at, it really comes back to me. How can I turn my will and my life over to the care of my higher power and whatever it is that I'm talking about? So if I'm in the middle of something, I say, okay, wait a minute in this, if I'm starting to get some angst and starting to feel the fight, the push, then I know that there's something that I'm trying to be the controller, the director, rather than just playing my part in. And I think that's the difference, Marla. 
Okay. Okay. So I go back to what is that 62, 63 in the big book that talks about us being the director that we can no longer be. We've got to let God be God and we be us. Buddy be buddy and God be God. They're not the same thing. <laughs> you know, I used to think my job, and this is the shift for me. I used to think my job was to do everything I possibly could, take every effort I could possibly take, and the part that I was not capable of doing, then God would help me with that part. That was my thinking. You know, and, and if I can't do it, God's given me natural abilities. I need to use those abilities to make every effort possible. Then when I've expounded on every effort I can do, then God will help me with a part that I cannot do. Don't know where I got that whole concept, but I did. So that was how I approached everything in life. Well, that's turning it over to God's will. Well, for me, that really is, you know, that's how I thought it looked. Yeah. But that's not, I've concluded that's not it for me. What I have to do instead of that is before I even begin, say, okay, I have an idea of how to do this, but I want to turn this over now. I want to surrender my moment that I'm in now, not go to all this effort, then surrender it. <laughs> After I've done everything in my natural ability that I can do, let's start with surrendering it before I do all these things that I think I need to do. Let's back it up to going ahead and surrendering the moment now. Then, if I continue in my effort okay, I try to change my mindset from how is this going to benefit me in the situation to whoever I'm transacting with, ever how that is, whether it's a personal relationship or business or me driving down the road, how can I be considered of whoever I'm interacting with and take them into consideration rather than just my ideas of what I need to get out of this. And when I do that, it all seems to unfold more naturally without angst, without fight, without the friction, as long as I can stay in my right place and be more, playing my part in life rather than directing life. Yes, I understand. Okay. So that's a total different mindset when you think about it. The second one is, do y'all see that? Any yeah. comments? Well, you just mentioned like driving. I don't yeah. know why driving came up to me, came into my mind, but um, when you're driving, the sole purpose is to get where you want to go. It has nothing to do with who else is on the road. Oh, it does, and though, Marla. It can. It can, but what what we're trying to do is make sure that everybody else who's on the road gets to where they're going safely. I have this tendency to push everyone out of my way when I'm driving. Right. Nobody should be driving when I am. No. My God, where I need to go is the most important thing going right. on right now. Right. So you get out of my way and I would ride your ass, you know, 
until you got out of my way. (laughs) (laughs) But if you don't do that, you end up much with much less anxiety and you get there in the same amount of time and it's, you get there safely. And so does everyone else. I love in my wife's car, she's got that adaptive cruise so that you can, you know, it won't, if you'll let the cruise do its work, it'll keep the right, it'll keep a distance between the person in front of you and it'll slow down with them. And I've learned to put that when someone pulls out in front of me, if I'm right sized about things, I will put it the furthest distance away rather than the shortest. (laughs) I have cut it to the shortest, you know, just moved it just for them. (laughs) (laughs) So I could ride their ass just as close as I could, you know, and then, or if I'm right sized, I'll move it back to four car lengths instead of one, you know, and that way I said, you know, I got to on purpose, stay as far away, you know, try to be as considerate as I can. Um, and I think I've shared on here before I was, uh, one, um, I haven't in a while, so I'll share it again. I was on my way to my Sunday morning meeting. I had to meet a sponsee and I was running a little late and I'm about five miles from there. And I live on a road that has a 35 mile an hour speed zone, but no one goes 35. I mean, everyone goes 50. You know that you're supposed to go 50 on this road. You don't go 35. Well, there was a guy in front of me going 35 miles an hour. And I was riding his ass. I mean, I was right on him. I've got to get to the clubhouse. I've got to meet with a sponsee. I've got important things to do, right? So I'm riding this guy. And he goes into town the same way I'm going. He turns the same way I turn. He turns again, and he pulls into the clubhouse. I'm like, oh, shit. Who, you know, this guy was going to the clubhouse the whole way from my house, right? And his, I didn't know him, but he was a, uh, he was in AA. And his wife had died, and he was trying to find a meeting. There's always something like that. And I just tear up thinking about how selfish I was that whole way, not considering anyone but myself, you know. And um, I try to – his name was Fred. I try to remember Fred when I start pushing people and how I, I've got to be considerate of other people. If I want to, if I want to be happy. Yes. And also I've learned with, with the same driving analogy, when you ride somebody's ass or, you know, flip them the bird, their behavior is not, not going to change. They're still going to drive as crazy as they've always driven. What I've done, flipping on the bird means nothing to them. So why bother? Drive safely. You know, and that's just a shift in us. And it goes back to another way that we can we can make this shift from director to actor, which is the example used in the big book about us just playing our part. If you're if you're just playing your part and you have an angry role, you're not going to have resentment against the other person playing their part. <laughs> you know, if, if, if you've got a part to play that's an angry part, I mean, you're not going to get angry with them afterward and not like the person because of the part that was played, right? Right. I mean, you're an actor. <laughs> and the idea is to take that same um, 
I, uh, that part of playing a role into your daily life. Like we're just playing a part in life. We're playing our part. So why should we hold anger and resentment and fear about the part that we're playing? And I think that's what he's talking about here. Yeah. One, one thing that one way that you could look at this, the highest good is not to seek to do good, but to allow yourself to become it. Don't be the director. Just play your part. Yeah. So much easier. It's so much easier. The whole world will be transformed by itself in its natural rhythms. How much of my angst in life is from me controlling when if I'd had, looking back, if I'd had the same situation, if I'd have just let the thing go and let it just unroll on its own, it would have been so much better and so much less effort on my part. And everything would have worked out so much easier. Mm-hmm. Kirsty, you have something? Yeah, I, I think... I think one of the things that, well, one of the sentences I think that follows through um, in most of the translations, the the, the point about um, desire, and and when I think about desire, it's I mean taking it I guess literally in our case it's the craving for whatever it is that we want to fill our emptiness. I know we're meant to be empty when the down, yeah, when we consider the down, but you know, if talking from an alcoholic or a, an addict perspective, we have a void that we want to fill. And so we, we desire things, um, substances, things, behaviors that, <clears throat> that we think will, make things better um and what this sentence says to me is that when you no longer have that when you know you're able to let go and that's kind of what the the whole this whole thing to me or the, the whole the whole um the whole set of translations for me is about letting go. Um, when you let go of cravings, desires, trying too hard, um, you know, um, control any of that, then you can be at peace. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are so many things that you can put in place of that word desire. Because Mm -hmm. I think, there are so many things that even, okay, every, you know, okay, even I would dare I say normies, um, you know, have you know, power, um, just things to fill their being to make themselves feel better. It is not exclusive to addicts, alcoholics. Um, and I think if, if everybody kind of stopped that, um, persistence to have something to make themselves feel better, whole, more acceptable, um, more lovable, then actually we would all be much, much, much happier. And probably more lovable. Yes, yes, 
yes. <laughs> I was thinking to this last week, sometimes I'll get ideas in my head and I keep seeing them different places and they'll come up in different things I'm reading that have no, that are not connected, but we know they're connected, you know, and this idea of whatever we're seeking, we're going to find, you know, a Christian thought about that is that, you know, there's a, there's a new Testament verse that talks about if you seek, you'll find, if you knock, the door will be open, so forth and so on. And in the past, I've always thought about that as a, as a prayer, like, you know, a door would be opened and, you know, that God would have to do something for me. But maybe it's more like whatever we're seeking, we're going to find it. Whatever door we knock on, it's going to open. We just need to be careful what we're seeking and what door we're knocking on. I was I was going to say, does that, does that you know, mean good and bad? Yes, or, you know, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. That's just a principle that whatever you seek, you're going to find. So I guess the question is, we need to watch what we seek. <laughs> you know, if we're driven by fear and we're seeking things that are fear-driven, yes. we're going to find them. You're going to find fear. Yes. Yeah, things to be afraid of. Yes. Yeah. If we're seeking to help somebody, if we're seeking a way to add to this flow of life, and that's our desire, we will stumble on like the blind squirrel looking for an acre, and we'll stumble on ways to help people. <laughs> It'll just be in front of us, and we can't help it. You know, we'll figure there'll be ways that we don't even have to orchestrate for us to add to the flow of life add two people rather than pull and drain them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the way this, this whole podcast unfolded. You know, you, you and I started talking about what's this Dow all about and then creating this meeting and then creating this podcast. It all kind of unfolded naturally. And we just kind of like we watched it, Marla. Yeah. We didn't make anything happen. We didn't push. We didn't. We just did it. You know, yeah. and we just did what was in front of us to do, really. Yeah, yeah. It's That's... like a, a dim, like a rough trail at night with a very dim flashlight, you know. <laughs> you see the next step. <laughs> oh, okay, that's where I step. Oh, okay, I think that's really what this is supposed to be like. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't like that. I want to see where I'm going. I want to see a GPS with know my upcoming elevation. I want to know everything that's happening in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> for the next 20 years <laughs> and it doesn't work that way if we want to live um in this in this freeness i don't think i'm not to say we can't have plans and we can't set goals and that kind of thing but we really can't invest our peace and joy in in those outcomes and live in this i don't think i haven't seen a way to do that yet that's no. That's good. But yeah, this is a great example of that, Marla. And I think that we can have the same ease in everything, in our job, in yeah. our relationships, in, you know, in business, in our recovery. And it's about becoming it rather than moving from that. What is that doing? Uh, Having, doing, being, 
that progression. And he talks about that in this, you know, he talks about in the third translation that when the Tao's forgotten, there's righteousness. Yeah. And when righteousness is forgotten, there's morality. And when morality's forgotten, there's the law. Like it's a progression downward. We've talked about that in others. We've yeah. had the same progression to self-help. I think the step under God help and this surrender and letting go is self-help. We have so much self-help in recovery that we have to watch because it's still just making me a better buddy when we have access to so much more. A lot of us, that gets us in this direction. Mm -hmm. But if we stop there with self-help, all we have is a better us, which if that's good enough for you, fine. You know, if it's improved your life, great. But I think we have access to so much more than that. Yeah, we do. So the step under that would be righteousness or I, I have wrote beside that pity or, you know, self-effort, really. And then, then under that, we've got morality, which a translation of that I found was duty. We've got a duty to do this, so we're going to do it. Uh, then under that's law, that fear. Then we start working out of fear. And then it talks about the law is the husk of faith. That, you know, it's the outside. It's the, the outside of it. Yeah. It's not the good stuff. It's, it's, it's what's left over. It's just the shell. It's not the real thing. And that our basic understandings are not from the Tao because they come from the depths of our misunderstandings. Yes. I heard someone say one time, the God of, instead of the God of my understanding, the God of my misunderstanding. I'm like, yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. It is the God of my misunderstanding. <laughs> well, if it's our version of God, then yeah, we misunderstand. It truly is anyway for me, Marla. I've started saying that, actually. If, if I say God of my understanding, I just say the God of my misunderstanding, because I misunderstand the whole thing. <laughs> I have hardly any understanding. I have less understanding than I thought I did, for sure. Um, the master abides in the fruit, not in the husk. She dwells in the Tao and not with the things that hide it. This is how she increases in wisdom. Not in the things that hide it. Well, how many times have we, you know, it's like, how many times have you seen the child get the Christmas present? Or the birthday present? The little child, and sit there and play with the box and have no idea of the present they got. Yeah, often. This is that, I think. <laughs> You know, there's this box that we're fascinated with, and we have no idea the present that we really got. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Whew, that's good. And how do we know that, that we're playing with the box? Well, we sh are we starting to get religious about this thing? Are we starting to get all this push and force and self-effort? Are we doing things out of duty? Instead of out of love, that's the progression downward. Yeah. When, when we're doing things out of love or out of fear, like I was a kid, I, I went to church because I was afraid of going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> you 
that's the progression mm -hmm. down. Yeah. Now, you know, I had moments of love in there, but that's a, that's a downward, and we we those are red flags to us that there's something better. There's a better way. There's a way of love, a way of letting go, and we can become this watcher instead of this doer. Dottori, you you have something? I think that last uh, she dwells in the Tao and not with the things that hide in it. I think that can really be translating recovery for me specifically. Uh, early in recovery, I would really get down on myself thinking I wasn't doing enough or I could be overcome with shame and guilt for thinking a certain way or having cravings. But I think that the gift that I had was sobriety every day, even though I was still um, maybe not doing as good as I thought I should or wanted to be, I still woke up every day and was sober and was able to make good decisions and to recognize those thinking patterns and things. So I think that what this is saying for me is that like in recovery, you still have to enjoy just the fact that you're sober. Even if you feel like you're not doing as good as you could, or you have bad thoughts, you're still sober. And I think that's the gift in it. Yeah. Yep. That's very true. The tour, you have to learn not to shoot all over yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I heard someone say that. I said, yeah, that's good. Because, you know, we're perfect just like we are. We don't, I always thought that I could be better, do better, that I was never good enough, that I could always improve. Oh, yeah. So that was the push for me. Is that such a bad thing? You, it sounds like you think it's a bad thing. I think that's I do. It, it is for me. At a point, bad. Do what? So at a point, it becomes bad if it gets overwhelming. And well, look, which is better for me to never be satisfied with myself, or for me to have the attitude that I am perfect the way I am today. I am just like I need to be today, and I'm open. To whatever changes for tomorrow. No, I agree. That is a better place to be. It's more but, satisfying. It's it's there's peace there. And actually, when I quit, this goes back to what Kirsty said about the emptiness. Actually, when I'm doing that, I leave more room for improvement to just happen than all of the self-effort to make it happen. Yeah. It's, it's not that I'm not going to improve because I improve dramatically when I do what we're talking about here. I step out of the way and I just allow it to happen. I think what I, I meant as I'm thinking about it is that the, you have an awareness that you need to evolve, which yes. most people don't have. But it's not the push that brings that, Marla. It's not the the working harder, doing better is not the answer. No, it's not. <laughs> you know, like I always thought it was. You know, like I'm taught, like the self-help. You know, you work harder, do better, work harder, do better, work harder, do better. Well, there's another day. 
you know, you can do better tomorrow, you know, all of those things. That's the, um, that's the curse of today's society, not just in, um, in recovery. Um, and when it, when it gets to the point of, well, certainly in my case of being an, a never, a never ending, um, strive for perfectionism and, like a subconscious voice in your head that says you need to improve you're not good enough you need to improve you're not good enough you need to improve uh, whatever whatever and whatever drives that um you actually don't have the energy for anything else mm-hmm. don't so you can't so it prevents you I, I wrote something down last night all that effort and all that energy driving yourself um or craving desiring actually stops you from making or certainly for me anyway making any kind of positive sustainable um progress or it slows down that evolution because the more you try, it's almost like the more you force it, the more things push back. Um, and it's like if you kind of let go, it just becomes easier. Mm-hmm. Now, that for me is all hypothetical because I am the complete opposite to that. And um, one has to learn to <laughs> to get, get to grips with all of this. Um, but, you know... I have le- I have literally, you know, for example, over the past few days, I have reached the point where the exhaustion and the the effort that I was putting in caused me to break down. Um, and in a sense, by breaking down, you are forced to slow down. You are forced to a certain, you are forced to let go. It's not giving up, it's letting go. Um, And looking at it and kind of going, right, well, I have to do something differently. And for me, that's not, that is (laughs) practicing to say, I am perfect as I am today. and one day I will believe that. <laughs> I, hope <so. laughs> I hope so. You know that it's funny how you know. There's a quote I remember: um, "The master does his work, then lets it go, and letting it go, it makes it stay." You know. Then, what you were talking about when we get so stressed. The doctor, you go to the doctor, they don't give you amphetamine so that you can do more work. They give you something to make you slow down. That should tell us something. You know, that's the letting go, but chemically, trying to aid us chemically to do what we're talking about here. Oh, absolutely. And that's exactly why I drank and used so that I could let, you know, so I could let go or forget not let go so i could just switch off um 
and yeah it's yeah it's hard it's hard when that that was your coping mechanism yeah yeah no doubt no doubt learning to what does this say transformed the whole world would be transformed by itself in its natural rhythms learning to go with this flow can be so difficult when we're taught we don't even look what we're taught to do or what i was taught i wouldn't even go and look where things were flowing i would get this plan based on my knowledge then i would go over and try to divert the flow to where i wanted it to go (laughs) rather than seeing where things are going getting in the flow and then figuring out what to do as i could that's a whole nother mindset it is when when i was taught in marketing and business that the idea in marketing is not to build it and they will come it's to find out where they're going and get in their way that's the that's the secret to marketing really where's your customer going okay get in front of them so they can't help but see you don't think your thing is so wonderful that if you put if you make the light bright enough they're going to come to where you are blind them with it get in front of them (laughs) they can't help but stumble over you that's what this is talking about that's getting in. I've got a new business that I'm doing. It's the first time I've had something that I'm trying to do this, stay in this flow with, and not get anxious. And I had a delay. And during the delay, things kept getting in my way. So the work I thought I needed to get done, I was not getting done. I, there was always something. I was something recovery-related, a sponsee, this, this, that, or the other, just all kinds of things. And it was like I was getting no nothing accomplished. I thought, you know, though, I said, I must be getting what I need to get accomplished, and I'm not going to stress it. So I didn't stress it. Come to find out, I finally got another programmer that was helping me do the things that I hadn't gotten done. He deleted everything I had done and started over again. <laughs> so all that work that I was worried about getting done that I hadn't got done, would have been wasted. So I was doing what I needed to do the whole time. So I looked at that and I said, hmm, I said, I need to just keep submitting my moment, doing what's in front of me to do, and just keep moving, keep my head down, shine my light, see my next step, do that step, confident I'm doing what I need to do, and just keep looking for the next step keep being the actor rather than the director. And I was at peace about it. So I said, okay, that's just what I'll do. So it's a whole nother mindset than the old mindset of forcing and pushing and making it happen. Yeah. It's not going to do that. There's no peace in that. There is no peace. And that's where the desire comes in, Kirsty, that you were talking about. I think it's hard to get yourself into that mindset, though. Like, how do you do that? You're right. You know, I I have such a hard time just stopping. I think I'm having a really hard time lately with uh, struggling with getting in my own way and not not living this Tao 
way. You know, I'm struggling with everything and I'm worrying all the time about uh, just that I'm doing badly at everything in my life. I, my confidence is at like zero, you know, I'm just worrying, 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 and I'm wasting a lot of my time in this mindset. So, you know what, Katie, in my experience, this has been an evolution of thought. It's been an evolution. It doesn't, you can't turn it on and off or it's not black and white. It's an evolution and it's retraining your mind. It's being really conscious of your thoughts and, and retraining how you think. And that's been my experience and how it's taken quite a long time actually to start thinking this way, to start thinking this way. I'm not perfect at it, but yeah, it's takes a while. Kate, why don't you, what I had to do was start with the one way that I had seen this work. And that was in my recovery out of anything in my life. Somehow I let go enough that God was able to help me with my alcohol. You know, it took six years in the program for me to let go and surrender enough that, that I was able to tap into this power that was greater than me to help with these cravings that I could not stop drinking that was threatening my life. I mean, I had pancreatitis and almost died and still, you know, was on a ventilator, 50-50 chance of living, and came out of that still drank six more years. So none of that was enough for me to stop drinking. So, so somehow I tapped into that power greater than me for my alcohol. So when I saw that, and I think this is what the 12th steps talking about learning to practice this in all of our affairs. I looked at how I did that with alcohol and how could I duplicate that for other areas of my life? Because it took six years for me to surrender on something that was life-threatening. How in the world am I going to surrender on things that are not life-threatening that my life does not depend on me doing? Mm. So I went back and I looked at how I did that for alcohol and duplicated it for everything else. So I took the step. For me, this is how it started happening for me. I took the steps and I said, okay, I work these on alcohol. How can I work these on my business? How can I work these on my relationships? All those things. Uh, Craig, Craig just, uh, Craig can't talk right now. Try not to listen to the voice that is putting the negative thoughts. Yeah. Uh, The thoughts in your consciousness. Yeah. There, those thoughts are there um, uh, supporting your fear and your other uh, character defects that are trying to pop up. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm, I, I meant by retraining your brain is listening, yeah. listen to these awful thoughts. Like I'm no good. I'm worthless and change that. You, you are consciously aware of changing that thought. Your, your brain is plastic. It can change. No. And your brain's just there. Your thoughts are just supporting, um, what's underneath those so if there's fear there um if there's resentment selfishness dishonesty that that's what your thoughts are doing they're they're programmed to support whatever you whatever characteristic character trait you're supporting you know if you're working in fear then your thoughts are going to be there to support your fear they're just doing their job 
your thoughts aren't the problem. Uh, <laughs> well, you're not. No, <laughs> you what, Kirsty? Um, one thing that 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 helped me. Um, I, it was about a year after I I stopped drinking this time. Um, obviously, I've got I've got other mental health issues um, that were were having an impact on the quality of my recovery, and and through. I mean, I just. I don't know kind of how I came to um, this decision, um, but it was like if I was having a bad day or if I woke up and was thinking a certain way, then I literally had to practice step one on my mental health. I accept the things I cannot change courage to do things well, practice the serenity prayer. But I have acceptance around the mental health, and then I, and I practice the serenity prayer, um, although I don't like to call it a prayer. Um, you know, just, just use that wisdom mm-hmm. of, you know, um, you accept the things you can't change. Well, I can't change that my, men, my head's a bit messed up sometimes. Um, courage to change the things I can. Well, actually, what do I need to do today to make that day go a little bit easier, be a little bit easier. Um, I know what I need to do because I've learned over the last few years what not to do and what, what to do. Um, and it's actually my choice. So I go with what works and the days could be good, it could be bad, but I just kind of have to learn it go. If I choose to fight it, you can guarantee that my day will be hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm still capable of doing that. Um, but you know, if I have a shitty morning and I get up with a shitty committee in my head, I literally have to go right. Okay, well, um, we'll just go with it. That's it's there. Yeah, you, can, you know, don't have to listen to it. Um, and then I just, and then it is almost like that. That's the process of letting go for me. Um, and it's difficult when things are really, really hard. Um, but actually, practicing it when it's not as extreme means that when it does get to the really difficult times, it, all, it makes it slightly easier or slightly, slightly more automatic. Um, but, I mean, that's certainly what, what's helped me. I... Uh... I would suggest getting with your sponsor and doing a little, like a mini fourth step on that, Kate, because that worry is there probably because of fear that's underneath and learning to, working on surrendering that fear will will take care of that. Or that's how it's worked for me. But when I had like, um, let's say I wanted to, I had a relationship that wasn't working I would sit down and use the steps as an outline and say, okay, um, let's say it was my wife and there was something blocking that relationship. So there was something there, you know, and it just wasn't comfortable. Um, I'll start with the first step that I'm powerless over my wife. There are definitely things that are unmanageable there. I believe that you can bring sanity to my relationship with my wife, bring peace. I turn my will and my life over to you in regards to my wife all care i have all concern i turn over to you i surrender i let that go i stop resisting my wife the resistance to any of those things 
uh, then work my way through the rest of my rest of the steps. Um, I may pray and say, is there any, uh, what character defects are showing up with my wife? How is it? Like, let's say I'm angry. Uh, why am I angry with her? Well, maybe it's something, some fear that I have, or there's a control thing going on with her that I'm afraid she's not going to want to do something I want to do, whatever it is, you know, and try to work down in that. And a lot of times I'd go to my sponsor and say, I'm having this issue and I don't know why I feel this way and I shouldn't feel this way. Why am I feeling this way? And uh, if it's not a sponsor, you know, somebody that you can confide in that's in recovery, preferably and work that down and see what's behind that. Then ask God to remove it, make any amends you need to make. Um, and then I add that to my um, regular daily uh, affirmation list, whatever that is that I'm doing. I have a surrender list. So I would add to that if it was something to do with my wife. I, today I surrender. I lower all resistance to my wife in regards to whatever, you know, and, and just work that until it you know until it's gone because that that's the effort more the work we were talking about it is real effort in letting things go yes go is effort yes we just change our work our work used to be making everything happen now it's getting out of out of the way and letting things happen (laughs) sweet that's good we need to carry this on to next week Okay, let's do it, and then we'll do the, uh, we'll do the, we'll read, let's meditate on this all week and see what else comes out of it, and then we'll talk about uh, Wayne Dyer next week. There's still a lot of good stuff in this that we can talk about. Yeah. Y'all are good with that. We'll do that. Any comments before we close? Anything? You guys good? Yep. Kate, let us know how you start dealing with that, and we want to hear next week what steps you take. Okay. And then what difference they've made. Okay. If you don't mind. Yeah, that sounds good. I can cut this part out of the audio if I need to on the podcast. If you're not comfortable doing that, I didn't ask you that before. (laughs) But if you don't mind, we'd love to hear it. Sounds good. (laughs) Okay. Okay. You guys have a great week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.